Man, may we follow the one who reveals himself to us. He has a miracle for us, a revealing of himself to let us see who he is. Well, welcome to Church Summit Point. We're glad you guys are here. Glad if you're joining us online today. Also, welcome to you. If you're in the room, why don't we stand to our feet this morning? We get to worship and praise our King. And we believe that he's got something special in plan for us today. As we worship his name, as we believe, as we believe he has power and authority to change things in our lives. Amen, church. We sing this just one word. In just one word, you come the storm that surrounds me. In just one word, the darkness has to retreat. In just one touch, I feel the presence of heaven. In just one touch, my eyes are open to see. My can't help but believe. There's nothing like God can do. It's not a
King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, he's in this room today. Amen, church. Lord, you are worthy. May you receive all the honor today, God. Father, you gave your son for us. And because of his death and resurrection, the church has power, has authority in this broken world to proclaim your name, to reveal your kingdom to the lost, Lord. Right now in this room or online, wherever we find ourselves today, Lord, maybe there is the lost. Maybe there is the one who has not heard that name before, who has not felt that saving power of your blood in their life, Lord. We lift them up to you right now, Lord. Maybe this is for the first time they're declaring your name and your truth and your goodness and your power. Would you reveal yourself today, Lord, through your word and through our worship? We love you. We worship you. It's in that holy name of Jesus that we pray today as his church and God's people said, amen. Amen. Love worshiping with you, church. Why don't you take a minute, greet somebody around you. Do it still social distance. Don't touch, but give a quick hello. Welcome to Summit Point Church, whether you're here in person or online, so, so good to worship uh, with you this morning. What a great song, what a great opportunity to come together and to worship Jesus Christ. On behalf of Pastor Tim and the rest of the staff and the elders, just want to give you a warm welcome. We're so glad you're here. My name is Mark Schuler. I'm the pastor of Adult Ministries and just want to share a couple announcements with you today. First is our friendship register. So just want to encourage you to fill that out now. That really is an important tool of just connection and care for us, and uh, we would love for you to fill that out. Um, you can do that on the app. You can do that now on your live stream, but uh, we'd love for you to take a moment to do that. As always, there's a spot on the bottom for a prayer request as well, and we do pray for that multiple times throughout the week as a staff. We would love to storm the throne of God's grace on your behalf. If there's something that's heavy today or something that you just need prayer for, please put that down. We would love to pray alongside of you this week. Well, I just have one big announcement for you today, and that is Compassion Day. Man, we are so excited around here for Compassion Day. It's going to be Saturday, May 1st, starting at 8 o'clock here. We'll meet here at the church. And uh, really the idea is we're going to go out and be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ in our community. Amen. We're going to go out there and serve our community. The goal really is to meet the need and to be a light. And so we have got, even with COVID and everything this past year, we still have 30 sites that we're going to go to and to be able to serve. We've got 500 people already signed up. Amen. Super excited about that. And listen, uh, if you haven't jumped in on that yet, there's still room for you to do that. And families, there's family-friendly options as well. You can go to the website. You can sign up today. We would love to have you be a part of that as we go out into the community and to show them Jesus Christ and to meet the needs. So sign up for that today. And if you're like, man, haven't been around Summit Point for a while, just still kind of curious of what that looks like, check out this uh, 2019 video of Compassion Day. What makes us come alive? A sacrifice of praise 
great opportunity to meet the need to be a light. You can sign up and we hope to see you there on May 1st. Well, let's go to a time of giving now and you can give again through the app or online or you can drop a check or money off at the doors at the end of the worship service. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be here and to worship you as your church. God, thank you that we can come and we can lift high your name and thanks for the great privilege we have to not only worship you here, but to take your name out into the community and to share who you are, God, and by meeting needs, Lord. We pray that you'd provide for that day in every way, and we pray that people would know the love of Christ. And God, we thank you for the opportunity as we come and worship you, a holy God, a faithful God, a loving God, as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is your love towards us. Lord, we love you. God, we pray now that you'd be with Pastor Tim as he shares your word, as he opens it up, and we pray that, God, you would change us through the Holy Spirit, through the power of the Holy Spirit and the living word of God, that we would be transformed and changed, that you would give us an ear to hear, that you would give us eyes to see, that we would worship you. And God, take this money now, this offering, and use it for the building up of your kingdom, for your great name, God. We give back cheerfully because of who you are, because of all that you've done. We worship you together now as your very own people. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And all throughout my history, your faithfulness has walked beside me. The wind storms made way for spring In every season From where I'm standing I see the every 
Jesus, we do thank you. We thank you for the hope that we have in you. Father, we thank you that we don't need to fear, that we can lean on you, that we can trust in you, that you are our hope, or that you are our privilege, that it is an honor to know you and worship you, to bring our lives before you. Now, Lord, we just hand this time to you here. We ask that you would move mightily in this room for those listening online. Lord, may you truly change our lives. We love you, we praise you, and we worship you. It's in the saving name of Jesus I pray these things. And all of God's people said, amen. Amen. Well, it's great to be here with you. Great to be celebrating. And man, we are worshiping our King. We're in a series here called Follow Him. Follow him. We're talking about what it looks like to make sure our lives are tracking with Jesus Christ. And we're doing this by looking at some of the examples of the disciples with Christ over the course of time, just kind of jumping into a couple of different passages. And, and uh, we've already gotten two weeks into this. We looked at it at Easter Sunday, what it is to follow the risen one. And so each week we're looking at a focus on Jesus Christ. Last week was following the willing one. Jesus Christ, he has conquered death. He has risen from the dead. We have hope. And all of God's people said, amen, man. And because of that, we worship our God. But know this, Jesus knew exactly what he was walking into. And yet he was the willing one. He stepped in for you and for me. He loves you. And he laid his life on the line for you. Jesus, he is so worth following. And today we're looking at following the kind one, the one who pours out his blessing in this world, the one who makes clear who he is and invites us to it, the one who thunderously performs good works all over the place, both now and 2,000 years ago. May we worship the king who is the kind one, the one who brings power and authority with all he's got. So do me a favor, turn with me, if you will, to John chapter 10, starting in verse 22. John 10, starting in verse 22, and we're going to uh, follow through this piece here of Scripture and learn what God has to teach us here. So point number one, follow the one who knows you and cares for you. Follow the one who knows you and cares for you. And Jesus Christ, in everything he does and everything he says, he cares for you. Make sure you're watching that throughout this uh, time here as we walk through this passage. See how God is revealing. See his care along the way. So here we go. Starting in John 10, verse 22, it says, At that time, the feast of dedication took place in Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long? Will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Right? So there's this moment of interaction between Jesus and some people that are there. Um, let's just walk through the, top, the pieces from the top here. It says, at the time, the feast of the dedication took place in Jerusalem. The feast of dedication. Now, 
We've walked through seven of the feasts, and we did that a couple years ago. This is not one of those feasts. This is an additional one. This one occurs in December of every year, our December. They don't name it December, but it follows through in our December each year. It comes around the Christmas season every year. In fact, you've heard of this feast in a number of different times and places with a different name. This is Hanukkah. Okay, that's what this is. The Feast of Dedication is Hanukkah. So just to make sure we understand what Hanukkah is, this is a little bit of their, um, maybe their 4th of July celebration of sorts, all right? It, it looks back to when they had been taken captive in 167 BC. There was this horrible guy, Antiochus Epiphanes. He took over. He was abusing people. He was mistreating people. He took the temple and he did horrible things in the temple, desecrating it, making it unusable, and then said, nobody can go in the temple. And he shut down worship. That took place for about three years from 167 to 164, they were getting fed up. There was this rebel community that was building. They're like, we've got to overthrow these guys. And eventually they came up with a plan. They went after it and they did. They overthrew, they pushed out, they took back the temple. And as they walked into the temple, they're like, this is it. We're opening the temple up. We're going to bring back worship today. And as they began to clean it up and open it up, they noticed one thing. In the holy oil that would need to be burning to make this temple like a valid time of worship, the holy oil, there was only one day's worth. And so they got on their knees and they prayed to God and they said, Lord, we need to go make more oil in the process. Will you please keep this one day's worth burning? And so they started the oil burning in the temple and they went to go grab more olives and do whatever you do to get olive oil out of it that they could go ahead and burn. It would take about seven days. And so this one day's oil burned for eight days straight. And they look at it like a sign from God, a miracle, a provision overall. In fact, just so you know, that's why Hanukkah has that menorah. It's got the eight candles on it. And then the one in the middle, that one is kind of the lighter candle. And then the other eight represent the eight days of miracle where the oil stayed burning when there was only enough for one day. They're fired up about it, man. And they celebrate it each year. Hanukkah is sort of this, that's when we took it back. That's when the temple became ours again. That's when God provided eight days worth. Just keep that mindset in mind as we move through this now, all right? At the time of Hanukkah or the Feast of Dedication, it was winter, December, as we said, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. The colonnade of Solomon. Now, another little important note there. This is on the east side, so just picture kind of a building that's got no roof over it. It's wide open, but it's got these walls, right? This uh, construct. And on the east side is this big, heavy east wall, and there's this sort of overhang, sort of like on the back of our houses, you may have an overhang on your house. There's like an overhang, and then to keep it balanced, they've got all these um, pillars or colonnades. In fact, this was one of the few pieces that was left from the temple from the time of Solomon. And so they call it Solomon's Colonnade or the Portico of Solomon, right? And so this is this overhang. Why is it a big deal? Well, because it's winter. Now, winter in Israel isn't like winter here or strangely, April 20th, what's coming up with snow on Tuesday, right? My word, have you, have you heard that? Snow Tuesday, you gotta be kidding me. So anyway, they're like winter. Winter in Israel is like rainy 
It's cold. It's nasty. And so getting out from underneath the weather makes a lot of sense. So like it's winter, of course, you would go underneath the portico if you're in the temple. It keeps the wind cut and the rain off of you. And that's where a lot of teaching would take place. Teachers that were going to be speaking would get underneath the portico where the biting winds wouldn't be there and no rain would be there and they could talk to the people. So Jesus is walking in the colonnade of Solomon where people would expect some teaching, where the wind is being cut, where the weather is being managed. And it's during a time frame where people are like, yes, rebels, we take back what is rightly ours and God's temple will be holy. And that's what's going on. It says, so the Jews gathered around him. Just so you know, in the original language, it literally says there, the Jews encircled him. It's a lot more aggressive. It's not like a bunch of friendly people getting around going, hey, we'd love to hear what you have to say. They're kind of like, tell us. There's this rallying, this encircling around, this demanding that's taking place. They gathered around, they encircled him, and they said, how long will you keep us in suspense? Have you ever asked a question where you started out with the phrase, how long? Have you ever asked that? You're whining when you do, right? Like, how long? Come on, man, what are you doing? And they're beginning to whine. They're like, how long will you keep us in suspense? Literally in the original language, how long will you hold our souls up and prevent them from being satisfied? How long will you take our souls hostage? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. And that's some pretty bold conversation. If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Now you gotta hear what they're actually saying. If you are the Christ, if you're the Messiah, if you are the Christ, tell us plainly. They're like, listen, we are in this moment of celebrating that, that God provides, that the temple can be taken back, that what is rightly his will be taken over. And we, the Jewish nation, should be reigning over all. And by the way, that's the role of Christ, the Messiah, right? And so as they look at him, they're like, if you're the Christ, if you're the Messiah, hey man, it's Hanukkah, bring it. Let's go, take over. Will you please take this thing back? Do your job. If you're the Messiah, no better time than the present. Let's see it. That's what's taking place here. This is a massive cry out. This would be a lot like us on the 4th of July, but we believe religiously that somehow there's some more overthrow that's going to happen. And it's the 4th and we're celebrating and we're like, why not now? What a great time. That's what's going on. And so they're getting fired up. They're asking Christ, will you please do this? And then they said, tell us plainly. Remember last week when Christ was talking to his disciples and he's like, listen, here's what's going on. And who do you think I am? And they're like, well, you are the Christ. And he goes, okay, don't tell anyone. You remember that? Like keep that quiet. Why? Because there's some things that have to happen. There's some things the Father has to get done. There's some stuff that needs to take place, including me dying and rising again three days later. Hang on. Don't bring it too early. Don't bring it too soon. And so there is one level where Christ is not telling it plainly. On the other hand, 
The lame are now walking. The blind are now seeing. 5,000 have been fed. The dead have risen. Christ's works are being shown out. His word is being said. In fact, here's the irony. Just two chapters earlier in John chapter 8, it says that they were talking to him and challenging him. And Jesus was talking with them and said, before Abraham was, I am. Now, that's a major grammar problem, right? You should say, before Abraham was, I was, looking past tense. He said, before Abraham was, I am. He brought the very name of God, I am, Yahweh. He said that word, he said, I am. And their response in John 8 was to pick up stones to stone him. It was perfectly crystal clear. Christ had claimed somehow equality with Yahweh, I am. They picked up stones to stone him, and it says in Christ disappeared in the crowd. Uh, We don't know exactly what that means and how that happened. Most likely there was some divine miracle peace going on, and Christ just went away. And they're like, where'd he go? Well, now they're back two chapters later, and they're asking questions again, and now they're like, tell us plainly. Now, to be fair, well, I've been pretty plain. And you picked up some stones, right? To be fair, that's a fair response. So Jesus uh, said to them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. I told you. I said before Abraham was, I am. I told you that the good works coming down were from the Father and through me and He's like, the works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. He's like, listen, stop worrying about the words I say. I will be, and you will see. Just open your eyes. I am God right in front of you living it out is really what he was saying. Are you seriously saying you can't see it? Check it out. Look what's happening. Look at the works. There are dead men walking. There are lame men walking. There are blind men seeing. There are hungry people fed. Are you kidding me? Take a look at the works and you will see. Christ giving them a hard, firm, direct answer to make sure that they're using their observational skills. He says, told you that you do not believe the works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me, but you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. You're not with me. And the reason you feel you're not getting your soul satisfied is because you're not letting me. I'm making it clear who I am. I'm making it clear by my presence. I'm making it clear by my power. You're not with me. You're not one of my sheep. He's like, this is a huge deal. You're not among my sheep. He says, my sheep will hear my voice. I know them and they will follow me. My sheep hear my voice. As I speak, as I say things, as I make it clear, as I do in front of you, you will recognize me as who I am. Are you in? Now, you got to imagine, these are the guys who encircled them. They're angry. They're upset. They want an overthrow of the government. 
They're like, we are not here for you to give us some kind of soft answer or a little bit of miracle moment. I am here for you to do something huge. Will you please become the Christ, the Messiah, take it over, flip this world upside down, push Rome out, and let Israel rule over all? And he's like, hear my voice. Hear what I'm saying. There's something amazing happening right in front of you. Are you ready to hear? He says, my sheep hear my voice. Those who are following me, they grasp what I'm saying. He says, I know them and they will follow. I know them. Jesus Christ, man, if you are a follower of him, here's your hope, here's your promise. He knows you. He knows every little piece about you. He knows what you struggle with. He knows what you're angry about. He knows what you're hurting on. He knows what you're languishing over. He knows what you're afraid of. He knows your God knows you. And he loves you. And he's providing for you along the way. He's like, I know them and they will follow me. Those who are truly the sheep of Jesus will follow. And if you truly belong to him, you're going to hear his voice, grasp what he's saying, and go with him all out. May Christ get all the glory. May we follow. May we literally listen to him. May we communicate with him. May we value what he values, and may we obey him. We talked about those four things last week. What does follow mean? That I grasp what he's saying and I'm in. I'm following after you with all I've got. He's like, man, those who are called my sheep, they're going to get what I'm saying. They're going to hear it. They're going to see what I'm doing. And it's going to put a smile on their face. And they're going to follow. He said, I give them eternal life and they will never perish. He's like, listen, this is a two-way thing. You're following, but there is blessing that comes back. I will pour on eternal life, life that lasts forever. Perfection, stunning, absolute forever perfection. No pain, no sorrow, no heartache. He gives it all. He gives eternal life out to those who follow him, to those who are his sheep, to those who hear his voice to those who believe he has risen from the dead and confess him as Lord. And do you believe that Jesus is risen? Is he in charge of your life? Do you confess him as Lord? And that's saved. That's his sheep. And following him, obeying, hearing, making your life celebrate him. What a privilege. He says, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Man, if you need chapter and verse for the security of your salvation, for the promise and the eternal safety of that salvation, this is it. This is a crushing passage that says that no one is going to take them out of his hand. Those who are the sheep of Jesus, he's like, they are in my hand and they are not coming out. No one will snatch them. 
That word means to be as aggressive as it sounds. No one's going to grab them, steal them, take them. There is nothing that is going to take away salvation for those who are his sheep, saved, secure. Everybody just say secure. secure. Don't miss that. This is a massive statement. No one. That covers everyone. No one is going to take them out of my hand. The good shepherd speaking of his sheep and the hope we have as we follow him. May we trust Jesus Christ as Savior. And it's a huge deal. He says, my sheep will hear my voice. My sheep will hear my voice. So I just did a little bit of looking up on this this week and uh, like, what does this mean? How does this work? And um, you know, I've, I found a couple of different videos that th there were some pieces of it I didn't want to show, but I can at least describe it to you. And uh, I found one video that was phenomenally descriptive of it because the guy role played it out. He basically took some young adults, some college kids, and, and said, all right, I'm going to teach you as the farmer, my, I'm the shepherd of these sheep. I know how to call them. So I'm going to teach you the call for these sheep. You're going to learn it. You're going to learn it with me. And then I'm going to have you call out and we'll see what happens. And so he takes these kids and he teaches them. And the call was very specific. And I'm going to try to mimic it here. Here we go. So he's like, it goes something like this. So he has them do that. And he teaches them. And they're trying it. And he's like, no, no, higher pitch. No, no, a little louder. No, no, more like this. There. That's it. Now you. And he gets them doing it. He's like, you got it. So now he says, your turn, call the sheep. And he go out to the farm and they stand at this fence and he calls out. First college kid. And the sheep did not move. They're like, not listening. They just continue to chew on the grass. Everybody starts cracking up. They're like, you don't have it, man. So he steps back. Next one steps up. She goes, one sheep lifts up its head, and they're like, oh, oh, oh. And then it goes, no. <laughs> right back down, just starts eating the grass again. Not going to go. Next kid tries. Doesn't work at all. Finally, they're like, you just do it. Just do it. You made your point. Farmer steps up. He goes, every single sheep, head up. He goes, and one starts coming. They all start bleeding. Blah, blah, and they start running to him. They all run up to the fence. Everybody that was standing back watching it just starts applauding. This is amazing. He goes, watch this. He jumps the fence. They start running in circles around him, getting as close as they can. And as he starts to walk, they just follow by forming a line. And everywhere he goes, they went with him. He walked through the whole field with them just following behind. He turned around, he walked back into them, and they just peeled around and all around him and hung with him. It was an amazing moment to see what it is to call out. And then he said, by the way, have you ever tried that with cows? Where you as the farmer walk into the middle of them, they scatter. They just run away. Jesus, very careful in his illustration. We are his sheep not his cattle. When he calls out, man, if we are saved, if we trust in him, if we know him as savior, we believe he is risen, we confess him as Lord. When he calls out, we will hear his voice 
crying out in the wind we're in. And we come running. And make sure that you are hearing the voice of Jesus. And if you're missing it, then this is your opportunity to be coming across as Christ invites for those to trust in him who are willing to hear who he is and give their life to him. May we follow with all we've got because we hear the voice of the king. And all of God's people said, amen, man. Point number two, follow the one who is truly God. Follow the one who is truly God. He says, my father has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hands. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one is able to snatch them out of my father's hands. Now remember, he just got done saying, no one can snatch them out of my hands. And now he says, and my father, he's talking God the father here. So we have God the father and God the son. And he says, my father who is greater than all, Like there is no being bigger than God Almighty. And you have God the Father and now God the Son working together. And it says, no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hands. Now he just said that there are two sets of hands that his sheep are in. They're in his hands and they're in his Father's hands. And they're in both at the same time. And he's making a statement here about some of the nature of God. He's talking about the connectedness of God, that God the Father and God the Son are really one. He's like, listen, if he's in my hands, he's in the Father's hands, and I'm telling you, this is a hope that we have. God the Father, God the Son, we have a oneness there. And if you think I'm stretching it a little bit too far, then look at what he says next. He says, no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hands. I and the Father are one. Clear enough? Right? Sometimes they're like, you're not telling us plainly. Let me tell you plainly. I and the Father are one. There is a oneness going on. Now, he's not talking one in person. There's a uniqueness. God the Father, God the Son. But there is a oneness in the essence, in the nature, in the purpose. There is a connectedness and a oneness. He is really shouting out Deuteronomy 6 the Shema of Israel. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And he's like, I and the Father are one. He's talking about the Trinity here and the value and the hope of God the Father and God the Son working together and the eternal security that comes because no one can take a saved one out of the Father's hand or out of the Son's hand. Those who are my sheep will not be snatched away. Man, it's a huge, huge promise as Christ speaks of him being God the Son. You know, he's really echoing Colossians 2.9, which says, in him the fullness of the deity dwelled bodily. In him the fullness of the deity dwells bodily. Jesus Christ, he is fully God and fully man. Hope. There is oneness And there is unity between God the Father and God the Son and an eternal security along the way. May we lean on that. May we count on that. That the gift we have of salvation 
is his to give and his to protect. Man, don't miss that. His to give and his to protect. God giving us hope. He says, I and the Father are one. And the Jews, well, how would you respond to that? Take a look at what the Jews responded with. And the Jews picked up stones to stone him again. They're like, listen, this Abraham and I am talk, that was enough, man. But now you just claimed equality with God. I and the Father are one. You have got to be kidding me. Please hear me. Jesus Christ made it absolutely clear that he is God. He is God. Everybody just say, he is God. Man, he's making it perfectly clear. Don't miss it. Christ is declaring it with a thunderous statement. I and the Father are one. Celebrate and worship that, boys. That's where he's at. It says they picked up stones again to stone him. And the appropriate response at that point would be John chapter 8. Let's get out of here. Right? And instead... Jesus answered them. Can you imagine that? Like I'm saying some words here and the guy in the front row picks up a rock and he's like, go ahead. And I'm like, let me explain a little more from a distance, right? Like Jesus is like, I'm not stepping back and I'm not stepping out. I'm just stepping in. Here's what I have to say. Jesus answered them. I have shown you many good works from my father. For which of them are you going to stone me? This is the throwdown. Are you going to look at who I am? Are you going to grasp what I know? Are you going to celebrate the works that I have done and seen the Father at work in me? Which of those works are you going to stone me for? They've got a real problem on their hands because he is doing works that would clearly be honoring the Father. He's doing works that are clearly good. He's doing works that are clearly righteous in nature and saving lives. Human lives are being helped and and goodness is happening and they got a real problem with calling that a problem. He's like, so which of the works is it? And they say, it is not for a good work that we are going to stone you, but for blasphemy because you you being a man make yourself God. Are you hearing it? They thunderously declare it. We do not believe that you are God Almighty. We are out. We don't buy it. I do not believe that you are king of the universe. I do not believe that you are God Almighty, that you and the Father are one. That is blasphemy. They're trying to call him out on his words for using the word God associated with him. And Jesus begins to give them even more answer. They're standing against, they're calling out blasphemy, they're picking up rocks, and Jesus boldly standing in and saying, no, the works I have done are powerful. The works I have done are kind. The works I have done are from the Father. I and the Father are one, and it's time you learn a little bit. And Jesus gets a little bit more clear. Now, I'm just going to tell you, I'm going to skip past these next couple of words, because the first words that Jesus gives are, seriously, boys, you're being a little hypocritical. And you can really work through the argument in detail, but here's what he's saying. You allow these words, son of God, and to be applied to other people, and all of a sudden you're like making a big deal about me saying it. He's using a, that's a hypocrisy argument. 
He's kind of tearing him down just a little bit. But then he turns to himself and looks back to himself as the strength of the answer. And the second part of his answer is, take a look at me. So jump to verse 37 and look what he says. He says, if I am not doing the works of my father, then don't believe me. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works. Look, if I'm not doing the works of the Father, be done and walk away. Look, if I'm not with him, if I'm not echoing his character, you're done. You don't need to listen to me. However, if the works I'm doing honor him and he is pouring it in, it is time for you to listen to the works. Do you see the very character of God being expressed in front of you right now? The works of kindness and of power and of healing and of love and of sacrifice. Your God for you. Jesus Christ willingly going to the cross, rising again to give us life eternal. May the works scream to us. We serve the Savior who loves us with all he's got. May nothing stand in the way of our eyes seeing his works. And all of God's people said, he's like, believe the works, if nothing else, and hear that. And see his compassion. See his miracles. See his goodness. See that he is king. Jesus being in front of you and you seeing with all you've got. May Christ get all the glory. He says, believe the works that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. Believe the works that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. Let me be more clear about I and the Father are one. The Father is in me and I am in the Father. Man, hear this. Jesus Christ is thundering a statement. As a human being standing in front of them, he's saying this. I am so much more than a man. You've got to start seeing it. You've got to start feeling it. I am moving in this world. And there is going to be something massive that takes place. You boys don't know it, but when I speak, this world exists. Get ready. I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. I and the Father are one. Jesus is God Almighty, and his works are goodness and kindness and righteousness and graciousness, and he is to be followed. And all of God's people said, amen. amen, man, don't miss it. The kind one, the sacrificing one, doing for you and me to see. May God get all the glory. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we do thank you, Lord. We praise you. And we ask you to do an amazing work in each of our lives Lord, we long to be able to see your works at hand. May you get all the glory.
Lord Jesus, we thank you for all that you do. And right now we come before you as king. And just right where you are saying, thank you, Lord, that you came to this earth. Thank you, Jesus, for coming for me. Just praise his name. And just right where you are saying, Lord, I grasp that you are kind. I grasp that you are good. I want to follow. I'm in. And wherever I've been resisting, please forgive me. I'm following you. And just letting your Savior know that you're in. Maybe there's some area of your life where you know, I have not been listening to his voice on this. It's time for me to follow. Lord, please forgive me. Maybe it's some anger you've been holding on to. Maybe it's some fear that you've been letting control you. Maybe it's some action that you know is horribly wrong and it needs to stop today. Lord, please forgive me. I long to obey you and follow you. And just right where you are, getting specific with your God, God, I give this to you. Please forgive me. Hand it to your king. Man, I'm just going to ask you to go ahead and stand right where you are. I'm going to close in prayer, and we've got a song to sing to our Savior. Let's go ahead and stand. Lord Jesus, we thank you that we can be saved. Lord, we thank you that we can be called your sheep. Lord, that we can hear your voice and respond. Lord, that we can see your works and know that you and the Father are one. Lord Jesus, we praise your name that you have died on the cross, that you have risen again, that we can have hope and hope eternal. We give our lives to you, the King of all kings, the Christ, the Messiah, the God of the universe who stepped down for us. Lord, we love you, we celebrate you, and we rally now together to praise your name. It is in the saving name of Jesus I pray these things. And all of God's people said, We join the hymn of our redemption And we raise a banner for the King Our golden crowns, we lay them down for Thee So we shout from the depths of our beating lungs For the blood that you shed as our ransom Hear the song, hear the chant, be exalted King of glory, overflow No, not 
Jesus Christ. May we follow him with all we've got. May we magnify his name. Why? Because sin is covered. Because death is paid for. Because life eternal is guaranteed. And it sits in the son's hand. And it sits in the father's hand. And no one will snatch it away. May we run to our shepherd, Jesus Christ. And all of God's people said, amen, man, amen.